and welcome to the Elemental Entrepreneurship Podcast, where we discuss the earth, air, fire, water, and spirit elements of building a thriving, successful, creative business and life. I'm your host, Sarah, and today is the first podcast episode of 2023. It is Monday, January 9th, as I'm recording this. And we're in it now. We're in 2023. The first week of the year flew by and um, I had no idea what day it was for that whole week. And now I'm starting to return to something that feels a little bit like a normal schedule, though I will uh, say for those of you who are not watching this live on Instagram that I'm recording this episode from my bed in my PJs. Uh, for two reasons. One is that I have good sound in here, but also um, because it's been very rainy all day and it's noon now, but it still feels like it's early morning. It's gray and it's rainy. And so I'm chilling, being cozy, hanging out with my sleepy cats. And I hope if you are somewhere where it's also storming that you are spending this Monday uh, as softly and cozily as you can. So, Happy New Year, Happy Capricorn season, all of that. The thing I wanted to talk about today is how do I decide what business to start? Um, I've just completed a live launch of the Elemental Entrepreneurship Coven, and I had several conversations with people who decided not to join the coven. They said they weren't ready yet, and the reason, one of the primary reasons they said they weren't ready is that they don't know exactly what their business is going to be yet. A lot of people said, like, I have all these skills. I have a bunch of different things I can do. I have different things that I currently do for other people's businesses that make other people money, but I don't really know. I haven't narrowed down what my business is going to be, which totally makes sense. And then I also had a new member welcome call with one of the people who did join the coven and they shared with me, you know, what their business is and the different kind of directions they could go inside their business. And I was able to help them identify which of those threads uh, would be one that they could focus on to kind of skyrocket the growth of their business to start with. And there's a little alchemy involved in deciding exactly what you want to focus on as your business, especially if you are a, you know, multi-hyphenate creative who could potentially do a lot of different things. You could potentially, um, you know, teach one thing or do a done-for-you service. You have lots of different skills that you have that you've amassed over your lifetime, over your career, things you went to school for, things you've pursued on your own. And now you don't really know which one of them to hone in on for your business. And I find this a lot with artists, creatives, and healers, because most of us have um, a lifetime of, first of all, getting really obsessive about our interests, and we'll go all in on something we're interested in and do a bunch of study and things. Most of us, if we have a handful of special interests related to our craft or our main areas of focus, have gotten lots of certifications and studied lots of things 
frequently people have been a freelancer in their field for a long time. And so they've picked up lots of different skills that they could do um, because they've done them as a freelancer or they've done them related to promoting their own work. Um, for example, like I have some graphic design skills and some web design skills, um, partially because I did that for other people for a little while. But the way that I picked those skills up was in needing to promote my own art, my own shows, my own events, and not having the budget to hire other people to do them. So I did them myself for a long time. So I could do graphic design. That's something I could potentially do and I have done in the past. But that's not something I offer inside my current business of intuitive edge coaching. Um, and so what I want to set up are some ideas around how do you decide what to do in your business? I made a funny little Venn diagram. I love Venn diagrams, but I have this little handwritten Venn diagram in front of me that has four circles that overlap. The first is things that come easily to you. Your business should be based on something that comes easily to you. And I know that this might seem like a little confusing because for many of us, we've really deeply internalized the capitalistic idea that money comes from hard work. And that's uh, misleading, um, right? But if, if we have this idea that money comes from hard work, the kind of invisible unspoken flip side of that is that things that come easily to you are not worth money. They're not lucrative. You shouldn't charge for them. And especially if you have some former gifted kids stuff, um, there's a lot of reasons why. You may also have this feeling that things that come easily to you, quote unquote, don't count. Um, either we downplay them, we think they must just come easily to everyone. We think, well, this isn't worth money. There's no way I could charge someone for this. I've heard this a lot of times from people where they're shocked when I suggest like, why don't you charge for that thing? And they're like, wait, this thing that I give away for free, this thing that I do all the time, this thing that's so easy for me, like, can I really charge for that? Can I charge enough for that? I think we have a tendency to also assume that things that come easily for us must come easily for everyone, which is not true. The things that come easily to you that just like flow from you, um, those are your gifts. <laughs> so the idea that, you know, we shouldn't monetize the things that come easily to us, those things aren't valuable in a financial way. And instead, we should pick something that's like harder for us that quote unquote, feels like work because money comes from hard work. Um, it's a little backwards. And it sets us up for resistance. It sets us up for not wanting to work in our company, not wanting to work at our craft, not wanting to work in our job because we've chosen to do something that we don't really enjoy doing, that we feel comes um, like a little bit harder for us. It's a little bit more difficult, um, that we need to have more emotional and intellectual resources available for. It's just not necessarily the best move to opt for our business to be something that um, that we can do, but it doesn't come the most easily to us and it's not our favorite thing to do. So things that come easily to you is number one on the criteria list of what should be, what should my business be? Does it come easily to me? The next is, is it something I enjoy doing? 
And I know that that might sound also like a gimme, but again, with this idea that money comes from hard work, I see people feel like they can't choose something they enjoy doing as their business because it's somehow not real, doesn't count, they won't earn money for it. Like Whatever it is, we have these weird ideas that like, if it's something that comes naturally to me that I enjoy, then it's not a business. The other thing that I think is attached to this is I hear people say sometimes, I'm really worried that if I create a business around this thing that I love doing, it will make me hate doing it, right? So I love music production and I love doing it. I do it with my friends. I do it all the time. It comes really easy to, easily to me. I feel like it's my natural gift. I'm passionate about it, but I don't want to create a business around it because I'm scared that once it's a job, I'll hate it because I hate jobs. And I think that there's some stuff that can be pulled apart in there. Um, I think that not liking working on other people's terms in extractive conditions that don't make us feel like our humanity is centered, where we don't feel valued, where we have to compromise who we are and how we operate. We hate those things, right? Like having a job where you have to go against your body's natural rhythms, your own schedule, you have to do things other people's way, even if you don't agree with it. Um, there are projects that you have to do that you hate. It makes sense not to like that. But why would you set your business up like that? If the point of having your own business is you get to set your own hours, you get to choose the clients and the projects that you work on, you get to set how everything is done. You don't have to do things a way that you don't want to do them. You don't have to, um, you know, compromise who you are or how you operate you're not going to set your business up like that. So the idea that if you turned the thing that you love doing into a business, it would make you hate the thing. I wonder if that's rooted in the idea that there is no way to run a business that isn't extractive and soul crushing. And that's not true. Um, so that's just something I kind of want to put out there is like, if you have that feeling of, I don't want to start a business off of the thing I love because I'm afraid it's going to make me hate the thing I love. I would look at what your feelings are about labor, right? About work in general. And do I believe it's possible to have a work environment that is soul affirming, that is life honoring, that is life giving, that makes me excited, that makes me happy, that makes me feel cared for. And if those were the conditions of the work, do I still think it would make me hate the contents of the work? Um, cause I kind of think the answer is no. Um, but if what you're worried about is I'm going to take this thing I love and put it into a container that makes me feel bad. And then I will associate the work with the container that makes me feel bad. That makes sense. So don't do that. That's all I'm saying. So on the list of how do we choose, we have things that come easily to you and things that you enjoy doing. That's a great idea. We're talking about your job, right? The business that you start will become your job. You're going to do this, if not every day, then several days a week. So why would you set yourself up with anything other than things that come easily to you and things that you enjoy doing as the things you need to do every day? Doesn't sound like a great plan. So we need those two things. The next thing 
on our little Venn diagram is things you see a need for or things that solve a problem. So our business is less about all the things that we could do and more about who we're going to do them for and why we're going to do them, right? That is the heart and soul of our business. What is the problem that I solve? What's the need that I see? I'm looking around in the world and I don't see anyone solving this particular problem, but I feel like I could solve it. So instead of walking around being frustrated that no one is solving this problem, I can take that as an indicator that that's the calling on my life. That's the thing that I'm meant to provide, the problem I'm meant to solve. There's no one else solving this problem or the way that I see people solving this problem is stupid. And therefore, I want to step in and fill it. For me, the idea that um, there are tons of people out there who are life and business coaches, but a lot of the business coaching that I received did not work for my brain and didn't speak to what I saw as being the particular struggles related to artists and creatives and people in spiritual businesses, um, people who spent their whole life growing up being told the only thing you're good at is not a job. And so for me, I was like, I don't see anyone solving this problem the way that I want to see it solved. Why is no one specifically offering business teaching and business support for artists and creatives and people who feel really disenfranchised by capitalism, by work, by the traditional way that business is done, and speaking to how to make business work for those people specifically in a language they understand, in a way that feels intuitive, that feels fun, that feels holistic. That was a problem that I saw that I was like, that's something I could solve. That's something I'm interested in solving. It makes me excited to think about how to solve that problem. And also the people that I will be involved with are already the people I'm involved with, right? So we could call this niching, but uh, I hate that word. So, um, and I usually hate the way niching is taught, but I've, I'm an artist. I am a creative. I've been involved in the healing world and healing practices and the spiritual world my whole life. And I already had all these artists I knew coming to me and asking me questions about monetization, about business, about how to put yourself out there. That was already what was happening in my life. And so just recognizing what was already there and choosing to create something that answered that question, that solved that problem, made sense. It was a good intersection of things that come easily to me, things I enjoy doing, things that solve a problem or that I see a need for in the world that like I could step into that service and I would enjoy stepping into it and it would be fun for me and natural for me, right? Like the idea that the majority of my life is spent having conversations with artists and creatives and pe and healers and people I think are really fucking cool about how to honor their gifts through their work and how to make money and how to succeed. That's super fun to me. I like that shit. And so creating a vehicle that allows me to do that for a living made a lot of sense for me. So looking at what is something I see a need for or that solves a problem, another way to say that is what would be lucrative, right? Like now really almost anything can be lucrative. I say this all the time. Somebody made a bazillion dollars off of fucking fidget spinners. You can make money for anything on the internet. But when we're thinking about things that would be lucrative that we can do, it's different than like there might be things that come easily to us that we enjoy doing that may not necessarily be lucrative, 
I can't necessarily think of what that would be off the top of my head because I really do think we can make money off of pretty much anything, but there are things that are more lucrative than others. There are things where there's a built-in need, a built-in audience, something that would be really easy to um, to kind of make take off. And sometimes that is also a niche within your field. So say for instance, you are a Pilates instructor. You could teach Pilates to anyone, right? You're well-trained, you're well-versed, you know that you could teach Pilates to anyone. But say an issue that you see that's not being addressed is, um, a referral Pilates business from physical therapists for people who have had whiplash, car injuries, right? I've had some kind of back injury from a car accident. I get sent to physical therapy. When physical therapy ends, you still need aftercare. You still need something that will help strengthen the muscles that were injured in that car accident. And Pilates is great for that. So what I'm going to do with my business is I'm going to build a business that's actually, instead of marketing direct to consumer, I'm going to market myself to physical therapy clinics as the referral person that they send people to. That's where I want to focus all my efforts. I really want to be the go-to person that physical therapists are referring their car accident injury clients to when they're done with physical therapy. That's where I'm going to focus in. That's a really lucrative thing to do because there's a need for it. It happens a lot. It allows you to focus your efforts and know exactly who you're targeting, and it allows you to build a business that's a constant stream of referral. Now, this is just an example, right? But sometimes really honing in on just one area under the umbrella of things that come easily to me, things that I enjoy doing, things I'm well-trained to do, um, and something that solves a problem, that's where we start getting into like, okay, now I have something that's really lucrative. Now, the next thing, the final one, is things I could see myself growing with over time, which I wrote as AKA scalable and you won't get bored. A lot of my folks, my artists, my creators, my healers, myself included, um, we resist the idea of niching because we think of ourselves as being someone who gets bored easily. I need lots of different types of things to work on and lots of different creative projects or else I will get bored. So there's a both and in here that I want to speak to. The reason I say something you can see yourself growing with over time where you won't get bored is that I think for many of us who are creative, it's important that our business um, is specific enough to be lucrative and is broad enough that emotionally and intellectually we can see ourselves doing this work for a really long time without getting sick of it and that it's broad enough that it gives you the room to kind of offer a bunch of different things underneath the umbrella of it. It gives you lots of opportunities for continued products and monetization underneath the same umbrella. So using that earlier example of my Pilates instructor who's going to target, um, we're going to start with B2B, you're marketing your business to physical therapists as the person they send clients to when they're done with physical therapy. So you could do that solid for like a year. 
Now say underneath that a creative project is that you really like writing and so you're going to start a blog that's about recovery from whiplash and car-related back injuries, specifically about Pilates and physical therapy and why those two things go together and you're going to bring someone in to do SEO optimization. So you're driving traffic from both physical therapists who are looking for information on Pilates and potential customers who are looking for information about care for their bodies after physical therapy. They're going to be driven to your blog. That's a project that you could do that you might be excited about. I like writing and this is something fun for me that I could do. I'm going to do that underneath the heading of this. Another thing that you might be able to then do is, I'm gonna make a course that's for, I'm making all this up as I go, I'm gonna make a course that's for physical therapists that's about simple Pilates-based exercises they can give to clients during physical therapy that then encourage them at the end to send those clients to me when they're done with their physical therapy. And that's going to be a course that I provide that's a B2B, direct from me to uh, physical therapist practitioners. But then you could decide, I'm going to make a course that's now focused on the client end. If you have had a car injury, a whiplash type injury, and you have a neck or back issue and you went to physical therapy for it and now you're done with physical therapy and you don't know what to do, here are like short Pilates exercise training that you can do. You can incorporate into your daily routine or your workout routine to maintain the progress you've made in physical therapy, right? So now we might be several years into this business where you have a referral business coming from um uh, physical therapists, you have a course for physical therapists, you're starting to market direct to consumer, and that you can just keep doing fun, creative things. And you could see yourself continuing to come up with ideas and ways to build on this topic or ways that you could branch out for a long time. Sometimes I think that a, tr- uh, a stuck point that people get into is, um, feeling like they need to do all of their ideas at the same time. And then they have to choose between them right now. Whereas what we want to start thinking about when we're looking at a business is I'm going to be running this business long term. Maybe I can layer in these ideas slowly. I can start with one. And then from this one, I can grow into the next one, into the next one, into the next one. And when we're talking about Um, you won't get bored. Picking a broad enough topic that there's like a lot for you to riff on and play with and different areas of your interests and your gifts and your skills that intersect. So part of the reason I ended up really leaning into elemental entrepreneurship as my framework in my business is that When I created it, I realized that it gave me such a broad umbrella that I could stay here and offer tons of different things for a long time. So for example, oh, something just happened that I didn't, okay. So for example, um, I had a course early in my business called Body Love Lab. I love working with people on body image related issues and recovery from body dysmorphia, eating disorder. That is an area that I really like working. And I created a course regarding that, um, a book. I worked with people in that area for a while. But in truth, 
I didn't want my whole business to be that. It's not the only thing I like doing. And I didn't want to build my entire brand, my entire business around just doing things related to um, body image and body relationship. And so that wasn't the thing. That wasn't the thing I wanted to build my whole brand around. With elemental entrepreneurship, the fundamental kind of the foundation of helping artists, creatives, and healers learn to build lucrative businesses using their gifts, skills, and talents is actually super broad because sometimes the thing that's holding people back might be body image, so I can work with them on that. They may have issues related to procrastination, self-sabotage, ADHD. Those are areas I like working, so I could work with them on that. They may have issues related to you know, systems and marketing. Those are things that are fun for me to talk about so I can work on that. Once I found elemental entrepreneurship, I realized that it was such a broad topic that I could see myself growing with it for years and years and years and continuing to add to it and that there were so many different things I could offer that fit into the umbrella of elemental entrepreneurship. You know, I can release a tarot spread for communicating with the heart of your business, and that's on brand. I could release this podcast, and it's on brand. There's all these different things I can do underneath the umbrella of elemental entrepreneurship that I could see myself growing with it for a long time and never getting bored, and that made me feel safe. It made me feel relaxed about knowing, yes, I want to go all in on this because I have so much room to play within this topic. And so that is something I think that's really important for those of us who are creative and have lots of different skills is that the thing we choose to make a business around be broad enough that we see it as something we could continue to grow with and that we're not going to get pigeon too pigeonholed or too bored. Um, while staying on brand. Now, those are the four things that are in the Venn diagram of how do I choose. Things that come easily to me, things I enjoy doing, things I could see myself growing with over time that are scalable and I won't get bored, and things that I see a need for that solve a problem. At the intersection of that is a great business to start, right there. You're probably, if you are in that junction, you're probably good to go. That would be a great place to start. Um, The challenges that I see coming up for a lot of my people are trying to do too many things, trying to serve too many people, and trying to apply freelancer logic to how to choose what to do in your business. And I just want to speak to those things briefly. So the idea of trying to do too many things Um, In the example I just gave about elemental or about like picking an umbrella that allows you to grow with your business over time and use lots of your different interests and creative skills inside your business, but staying on brand. I have other businesses, right? So I'm a dance teacher. I'm still a dance teacher. I have businesses, uh, business ventures related to dance. It wouldn't make sense for me to try to do them underneath the umbrella of intuitive edge coaching because they are their own product. They have their own target audience. They are an in-person service for the most part versus a virtual service. It's a completely different price point. It solves a different problem. 
It would be confusing in my coaching business if I ran my dance business as my coaching business. I do sometimes do movement coaching and I do some work related to embodiment in my coaching. So that skill gets used in my coaching business, but I have a fully separate business for dance. And I think that this is really important to recognize is that um, just because there are lots of different things you do and lots of different things you could offer doesn't mean they all need to go into one package. They don't all need to be your business. The other thing is that not everything we're good at and everything we enjoy doing needs to be monetized. It's okay to build a business around one or two of the things that you love doing and have other things that are your hobbies. I think that we're really discouraged from having hobbies as adults um, and we're pushed to monetize everything, right? Like the second you start crocheting for fun, people are like, you should start an Etsy store. Like we're really encouraged to monetize everything we love and I think that that's damaging. There are things in your life that may better be a hobby and something you do for yourself and for pure enjoyment even if sometimes you charge for them, right? Like maybe you love making soap and it's your hobby, it's your relaxation, it's your thing you do for fun. And every once in a while you run a little sale like through Instagram or on Etsy or to your friends and family or you post somewhere and you're like, hey, I have these soaps I made and I have a ton of them. If anybody wants them, I'm selling them for a low cost, I'll ship them to you, right? Like, but it doesn't have to be a business, it can still be a hobby. It can be a hobby that sometimes makes you a little side change without it being approached like a business. Um, for example, say you play music and you're like, yes, yeah, sometimes I play live gigs, but I am not currently pursuing music as my career. I'm not trying to get make my entire living off of music. Even though sometimes I get paid to do gigs, this is my hobby right? So I think it's important when we have lots and lots of things we could do that we're good at, that we make a decision about which ones we want to build a business around and which ones we want to let be our own for personal enjoyment because they don't all need to be a business. The other thing is they don't all need to be the same business. And I think this ties into the idea of trying to apply freelancer logic to creating a business. I have a free workshop. If you haven't taken it, it's called From Freelancer to CEO. And um, it really dives deeply into the ways that freelancer logic don't work well for business. Because when you're a freelancer um, or a gig worker, you are more valuable when you can do lots of different kinds of jobs, right? The more gigs you can pick up, the more lucrative you're going to be as a freelancer. Um, when I used to work in gyms and dance studios, I teach lots of different things. So the fact that I could get hired by one gym and I could teach, you know, cardio dance, hip hop, belly dance, Pilates, stretching, weight training, and I could do front desk work and I could make flyers. That makes me more lucrative as a contractor that they could pick up because I can fill lots of different positions. So as a freelancer, being able to fill lots of different positions is a good look. In a business, it's not as great a plan. A business is a machine that makes money for you, right? So the difference is as a freelancer or an employee, I make money. I have to have my body in the room in order to make money. But a business is a machine that makes money for you. 
building this machine, switching your focus from putting yourself in a room and providing a service or doing a task is very different from building machine that makes some, that makes money for you, that, that makes money while you're not there, that um, is able to continually generate revenue for you, whether your body is present or not. And so this idea of trying to do too many things in your business um, usually comes from having been a freelancer where you're afraid to narrow down your scope of work because you're thinking, if I narrow down all the things I offer, then I have less opportunities for money to come in. But um, most of us in our small business don't want to be like a superstore, right? We don't necessarily want to be a Costco where we're selling like eye exams and televisions and food and clothing, right? Like we're not going for this like mega discounter. We want to be specialized enough that somebody coming to our business, our website, our Instagram, our YouTube or whatever can figure out quickly exactly what it is our business does. And they don't have to be confused about why you are selling these things that don't seem to go together. Um, we have to be careful about that. There is a nuance to this always, and the nuance matters. Um, sometimes we offer several different things that really do go together, and we're afraid to put them together because we think we have to niche down too tightly. Um, and... I encounter some multi-hyphenate creatives who are nervous about that, who are like, wait, but like I do all of these things and to me it all makes sense how they go together, but um, I've been told to niche down and so I think I have to pick one and I'm hesitant to pick one. If you feel like they all go together, they probably do and it's a matter of messaging and telling the story, right? So if we can explain to your customer why you feel these things go together, Right. So say, for instance, you're like, I help people with um, emotional healing after they've experienced physical trauma. And you're like, well, I do some spiritual work involved with that. There's readings involved. And I also do some somatic practices and I do breath work and I do yoga and I do these kind of conversation sessions and all of them can work for that. All of them are the same thing to me, but in my head, I have it listed as separate services. The desire to separate them out and list them as separate services may be what's confusing. Whereas building a, a, a signature framework that's, that includes all of these things and being able to tell the story of why you do them, right? So I help people heal from trauma using these modalities. And I've created a program or a pathway where we're going to have these live sessions. And these live sessions may be a mix of any one of these things. And here's how I'm deciding which of these things to apply to your situation as we go. Or, you know, it's a six-week thing and it goes like this, like this, like this, like this. And all of these different modalities will be used. And here's why we use these modalities. And here's why I think as a professional that these are the best modalities for your healing. That works. You're allowed to do that. And not only are you allowed to do it, but it's part of what will make your service special is that you're using the tools and techniques that make the most sense to you to provide the transformation or the outcome. And so sometimes we see people, when I say they're trying to do too many things, um, 
it may be that those things could be included in your business, but you're currently listing them as standalone services and not telling the story of how they all provide the same transformation. But then there are things that just don't make sense, right? So say, for instance, if you were like, I'm this healing practitioner and I use these different modalities in my business and I'm also a chef and I do meal prep, that doesn't make sense. They don't go together, right? Unless somehow food is part of your healing program and then it does. But right, if if it's not, <laughs> if it's totally a separate venture and you don't see them as going together, um, what would actually make the most sense at that point is to have two separate businesses and to brand your food and meal prep business separately and to have separate bank accounts for it, separate marketing for it, to run it as its own completely separate business, right? Another silly example of this is I have a really good idea for a landscaping business. I know nothing about landscaping. It's just a really good idea for a business. I've had it for years. It doesn't make sense for me to offer landscaping through my coaching business. People would be so confused. They would be like, why are you trying to do this? I also know I currently do not have the time or the resources to build this business and to manage it as a separate revenue stream. So that's an idea I need to sell to somebody or I just sit on it and someday, if and when I do have the time, the space, the resources, I would start it as its own business with its own branding, with its own bank accounts, with its own marketing. I would build a separate machine that just serves this one thing. So it's important to start to figure out when we are this this kind of fine line between trying to do too many different things um, trying to make everything we do fit into the function of one machine. Sometimes it needs to be separate machines. Sometimes some things don't need to be included in the business. Sometimes things need to be allowed to be a hobby. Um, sometimes things are for later. They might be a subdivision, right? They might be a separate thing that you do under the brand, but they don't all have to come out at once. And really thinking about that difference between presenting yourself as a freelancer who could play a lot of positions and here is a business that I built and you can interact with this business in this way, this machine in this way. The other problem is trying to serve too many people. And again, this is uh, about quote unquote niching. But this idea of, say, being a Pilates instructor or even being a coach, right, being a tarot reader and being like, well, this would work for anyone. I could do this for anyone. Um, and I don't want to turn anyone away because my fear is that by turning anyone away, I'm limiting the potential revenue streams that could come into me. And so what seems the safest is to be like, I would do this for anybody. Um, it doesn't work. Right. And I would like you to imagine like going into a restaurant and refusing to look at the menu and just being like, I'll take whatever you give me. But knowing that you're not going to be equally happy with everything that they present to you, there is something you want. There are things that you would enjoy more than other things. And so deciding in advance what you want, what you really desire, and who you want to be spending time with all day, every day, back to this idea of the business you set up being your job that you are going to be dealing with the customers in this business for the foreseeable future. 
And so you want to make sure that the people you're inviting are people you like and people you want to spend time with and people you want to talk to and people that you are best suited to serve. I'm not for everybody, right? Not everybody is going to like my style of talking, my style of teaching, my style of coaching. I don't want to be for everybody. There are people who are better positioned to coach, say, um, like a brand new mom. I've never had a kid. I'm not the best coach for a new mom. I'm not the best coach for a, you know, a, a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Maybe I would be if they wanted to work on emotional stuff, but I might not be the best business coach for them because I'm not corporate and I don't do corporate and corporate structure isn't my area of expertise. It's not my zone of genius. And so they would not be best served by me and I would not be having the most fun that I could possibly have back to things that you're doing, your business being things that you enjoy doing. So considering not just who do I want to talk to? Who do I want to spend time with? If I'm going to be talking to these people all day, every day, what kind of people are those? But also like, who am I best positioned to serve? And being really honest with yourself about the fact that that's not everybody. It's really not. Whether that's by psychographics and personality um, or by area of specialty, we're not best suited suited to serve everyone. Don't allow that to make you feel bad, my perfectionists and my people who get into weird imposter syndrome things of like, if I'm not able to serve everyone, I shouldn't serve anyone, or that means I'm not ready. It's just a fact of like life and marketing and business that we're not supposed to be for everyone. Um, And that doesn't mean you should hold off on starting until you can serve more people. Just serve the people that you're best suited to serve. Be honest about who those people are. Clear is kind. Being clear about who you can best serve and how you can help them is a kindness to yourself and it's a kindness to them. It saves everybody a lot of time. Um, But it also allows you to be more specific and go after exactly what it is that you want. So in that earlier made up example of deciding that you want to be the go-to referral person for physical therapists as a Pilates instructor, that lets you know I'm targeting physical therapists who take car accident clients, right? That helps you narrow down who to market to, and it makes your job easier. Not having clarity around who to talk to makes people really confused. And a lot of times people let me know that like they don't know what to talk about on social media. That usually lets me know that they haven't done some of this earlier clarification work around why they're starting their business, who they're trying to help, and what the problem is that they solve. Because once you know those things, you can just hop on social media and say whatever because you're really clear about who you're talking to and what you're talking to them about. You have your prompts kind of built in, and you don't have to worry as much about coming up with quote-unquote content and posts and topics or whatever because You can think of it a little bit more naturally. If I'm walking into a room full of these people who are here to talk about these things, here's what I'm going to talk about. Um, But if you don't know who's going to be there, what they're interested in, then it's a little bit more overwhelming because you could talk about literally anything. So how do you choose, right? We need to narrow those things down on our side in advance. 
Um, it also lets people qualify themselves and get in there and be like, oh, this isn't for me. This is not the right room for me. This is not where I want to be hanging out, right? Anyone who comes across my page and they're like, I'm not an artist, a creative, or a healer. I think this chick is weird. They can see themselves out really quickly, and that is a blessing to both of us. I don't want them in my space um, being upset or triggered or confused or not enjoying what they're getting or it's not helpful for them. And I don't want to waste their time, right? We live in a busy, busy world where we're all getting way too much content constantly. So the faster they can make a determination that what I'm doing is not for them, the better that is for both of us. It doesn't decrease the likelihood that I will end up making money. It actually lets people who are more likely to want to pay me um, come in and find their way to the work more quickly and more easily. Um, it makes you a little bit more of a beacon for the people who would be best suited to work with you. So those are the things I wanted to share. I hope that this was helpful for you um, about how to start to select what it is you want to do with your business. Um, with that, I want to share that I made a little new offer. It is a stepping stone for people who were looking at Elemental Entrepreneurship Coven, but they didn't feel ready to join because they weren't sure exactly what they wanted their business to be. They expressed that they needed some money coming in. They're like, I don't have a lot of disposable income and I need some cash coming in before I can invest in more help to help me set up and grow my business. And I don't have anyone to launch to. I don't have an audience, an email list, anything like that yet. So I created a program that solves those problems specifically. It's called Elemental Foundations. It is a 12-week program. I'm calling it a 12-week sprint to clarify and kick off your heart-centered intuitive business. It's going to start on January 30th. It ends April 24th. 12 weeks, quick and dirty, in and out. We're going to get in. We're going to go through a process that's going to help you clarify and narrow down exactly what the first machine is, at least the first machine that you're going to build. What is the business I'm going to go all in on? We're going to clarify that first. The next thing we're going to do is create what I call an MVO, a minimum viable offer. What is the first thing I could do, I could sell in this new business that I could do right now? Simple, easy. I could get it out. I could service these. I know exactly what it's going to be. We're going to clarify the offer, define it, price it. It, figure out the tech around it, and we're going to get it cooking. Right from there, we're going to go into how am I going to market it? What is my strategy? What is my plan? What are the marketing channels I'm going to use for this new offer? And how am I going to grow a list of people who would be a good fit for this offer? We're going to get that started. Then we're going to end with a 20-day sales sprint. You are going to sell your new minimum viable offer for 20 days straight so that you get some income coming in. So the goal is that you're going to implement this stuff during our 12 weeks together. You're not gonna learn it and implement later with no support. You're going to build it together over 12 weeks. We're going to implement it with support during those 12 weeks. The goal is that you have money coming in before the container ends. Then from there, if you want to join the coven, you want to work with me, you want to go into further coaching, you totally can. Or if you want to just rock with those things for a little while and stay in the practice of doing those things, you could do that too. It's up to you. But enough people told me that those were the reasons that they weren't ready to go further in their business that I was like, oh, well, then we just need to solve those problems, right? Easy peasy. Clarify, get something on sale, get some money coming in, start building an audience, 
We got that. We can do that quick. So the program's called Elemental Foundations. It's going to start January 30th. There are a mix of coaching calls and uh, office hours calls where you can come ask questions and then Slack for support in between, but it's going to be very quick, very dirty, very straightforward, very simple program. And it's going to get you up and running and solving those issues that are sticking people from getting started in their business. The link for that is going to be in the show notes. If you're watching this on Instagram, the link for it is in my bio and you can sign up right now. It's $999 or nine monthly payments of $111. There is a 20% off code for BIPOC, queer folks, single parents, or anyone experiencing financial hardship. The code for that is solidarity. There's no application. You can just use it at checkout if you feel that it applies to you. Um, Yeah. That's all I've got for you. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. As always, thank you for being here. Okay, love you. Bye. That's our episode for today. Thank you as always for being here and for listening to the podcast. I know there are so many things that you could be doing with your time, so many things you could be listening to. It is an honor that you choose to be here. Connect with me on Instagram at Intuitive Edge Coaching or join my Facebook group, Unstuck Group, to suggest topics or people that you'd like to hear me interview on this show. Have a great day.